I did put a mint in my mouth, not a button. How many is glad to be here tonight? Praise God, what a joy it is. Had a good time this morning. Amen. How many people enjoyed the word this morning? The word is always good. The word is always powerful. The word is always a refreshing. Um, before we go too far, far in this, we want to do a little commercial again and um, talk to you about some products because this is ammunition that will help you. I'm not here to sell anything. I'm here to sow something. Anything you really uh, put in back there at the table, we put it back into more products. We just reproduce more products. But this book right here will help everybody in here. It's called Think One Can. Take control of your life by taking control of your attitude. When you take control of your attitude, you take control of your life. Your life is limited by the attitude that dominates you. And your life can become unlimited by your attitude. Since you're sitting right here, not that you got a bad attitude or anything, but since you're sitting right there smiling at me, I'm going to give that to you tonight, okay? All righty. And then uh, sometimes we go through what we call identity crisis. Sometimes men get about 45, 50, 60, and they want to go buy them a Corvette, you know, and a gold chain around their neck and drive down the road real fast. We go through what we call identity crisis. Probably nobody in here, but this right here is about the believer's identity in Christ. Probably one of the most important subjects that you will discover is who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The Bible said, therefore, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Then I like this statement right here. The person that you used to be is gone. So we're not here talking about who you used to be. We're talking about who you be right now. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, and it says he is, not one of these days, one of the discoveries is who you are right now in Christ Jesus, in your union with him, and who you are through what he has done. Many times people are always trying to achieve, you know, a level of goodness. But when you understand your righteousness that's already yours through the Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness becomes your righteousness, your sin became his sin. The great exchange. All right? So, come on up here, ma'am. There you go. All righty. Now, tonight we're going to talk to you about the power of the blessing. And most of it is going to come straight out of this book. And so if you don't have this book, I encourage you to get this book because when you discover the secrets to the blessing, you'll find out that you're not under a curse, you're not under the shadow. You know, you're not under, you know, a problem that is generational. Just because your parents, grandparents had it doesn't mean you have to have it. Now, knowledge breaks you free from the power of the past. And so when you discover the power of the blessing, what we're going to talk about tonight, praise God, you'll walk in a newfound freedom. All right. Good catch there. Well, go with me in your Bible tonight to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. 
And we want to look at a few scriptures here this evening about the power of the blessing. Everybody say the power of the blessing. We want to discover what the blessing is and how to release this blessing in our lives. What the blessing is and how to release this blessing. Galatians chapter 3, we'll look here at verse 13. The Bible says Christ. Notice the first word there, Christ. Christ. Everybody say Christ. It's telling you what he has done. Most preaching that you hear today in the church is about what you should do. Paul's revelation is not about what you should do. His revelation is about what Christ has done. Y'all don't shout me down now. That's good news. I said most teaching, probably not here. Surely not here. Most teaching is about what you should do. Most teaching is kind of like what we call behavior modification. You say, what is that? You need to behave. You need to behave and you need to be good. Paul's revelation was about God is good. You don't need to behave to get God to love you. God loves you the way you are. His love is transforming. I want to make sure I throw that in before you throw rocks at me. His love will transform you into greater things when you discover his revelation. So the Bible says Christ hath, notice this term here, hath, because to understand Paul's revelation, a person needs to understand what we call the past tense of the word of God. Paul wrote in the past tense. He said what Christ hath done, not what Christ needs to do. The secrets to Paul's revelation is in the tense, what he hath done. Christ hath. He's not going to redeem you. Christ hath. Everybody say Christ hath. What did he do? He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now the Bible is about redemption. The whole Bible. From beginning to the end, it's all about this one term, this one word, redemption. Redemption is how God bought you back, bought you, paid a price for you, saw that you were valuable to the place, to the degree that he purchased you, redeemed you. Now, years ago, not many people will remember this, we had what we call S&H green stamps. I don't expect any millennials to know what S&H green stamps are. Nobody up on this front row has a clue what S&H green stamps are. You know what S&H green stamps are. How many people know what S&H green stamps are? Raise your hand. We used to collect these. I worked at the Piggly Wiggly in Magnolia. And people that did not want their S&H green stamps, I would just lay them aside over there. You don't want your stamps? Okay, we'll just put, put them over here like we're going to be real, real charitable. And I was the charity anyway. So you would take these stamps and they were green and you would lick them and you would put them in a book. Then you could take these books to a redeeming center. 
That would be over at Spring Hill where the Redeeming Center was. And you could get something out of a catalog if it wasn't there, like a, a toaster, a lamp. We saved up enough to get binoculars one time. Kim and I did. We redeemed them. We swapped it out. And this is what God did for you. He redeemed you all by himself through a substitute, through a person called Jesus Christ. He didn't even need your help to redeem you. He brought you in fellowship with him. He didn't even need your help for him to bring you into fellowship. He brought you into a position of sonship. Amen. He brought you into a place of inheritance that you now, he calls you an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen. Pre-qualified you before you got here. All of this was done before you ever showed up. You're, you, you ever showed up in Arkansas, he already had redeemed you before anybody told you anything else. He already did this for you, gave you an inheritance, made you an heir of God. You already have a birthright. We're not, we're not you know, servants. We're sons. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul said. We're no longer servants. The servants of God were all the people in the old covenant. Now we're sons that serve. I want to make sure I say that before you start throwing rocks at me. We're sons. Have, we have a position and we're here to serve. But it's a difference between us and the old covenant people because now 2 Peter chapter 1 2 and 3 tells us that we have his nature. The nature of God lives in our spirit. Man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Now, down at the university, they're going to tell you you're a two-part, a mind and a body. But Paul, through his divine wisdom, he describes man primarily as a spirit being that has a soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the feelings, and man lives in a body. Jesus said God himself is a spirit. John 4, 24, God is a spirit. The Greek word, therefore the word spirit is pneuma. Pneuma. God is a spirit. But when Paul describes man, he describes him as a spirit being a pneuma also. You're not one-third spirit, one-third soul, one-third body. You primarily are a spirit being. When you die, when your body quits functioning, they're going to put it in the ground. You didn't know that, did you? This is deep revelation I'm telling you right now. They're going to put your body in the ground, but your spirit now is going to live with the Lord. Paul said to be absent from the body. Come on. Anybody know this? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. Your spirit begins to ascend right into the presence of God. 
So man is a spirit. The Greek word for the word body is the word soma. And if you go to the mall, probably in Little Rock, you're going to see the store, the soma store. Where they sell lotion for your body. They, it's all about the body. I'm not going to tell you what else they sell there. But you know it's a, it's a store called Soma. How many's ever heard of that? Nobody's ever heard of that? Y'all are way back here in the woods. <laughs> but not only is man a spirit and he has a soul. The soul of man. The Greek word is suke. And that's where we get our word psychology from. Now, that's where you have your greatest battle in your mind. The mind is where the battle is. Your spirit, the moment you ask Jesus into your heart, is saved. But the soul of man is being saved or being what we call renewed. Paul talks about uh, God's transforming power, Romans 12, 2. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. Because if you don't renew your mind to who you are, to the believer's identity in Christ, your mind will sink back right into the natural fear, anxiety, and oppression will dominate you. Brother Hagin said it this way, your mind does not stay any more renewed than your hair stays combed. Now, when I woke up this morning, my hair was all different ways. For me to look this good, and I'm not saying I look good, it took a lot of work for me to be this presentable. And, and you know, we're working on our hair, we're working on our body, but what we need to understand when you hear the word, hearing the word, because we talked about the law of hearing today, produces what we call the law of having. When you hear, you have. They say there's two classes of people in our society, the haves, I'm deep now, I'm getting deep on you, and the have-nots. But Jesus said it this way. He said it's not the haves and the have-nots alone. He said it's those that hear that have, and those that do not hear, they do not have. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Whatever you're hearing, Mark 4 23 and 24, whatever you're hearing, he says, will be engrafted unto you. Whatever you hear and whatever you focus on is going to show up in your life. Whatever you're hearing will become a revelation. Whatever you hear will become your values. Whatever you hear long enough, you'll begin to speak. Whatever you hear long enough, you're going to begin to believe. That's why when you hear the, the good news, the gospel, Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm about to get turned on here tonight a little bit, and this is supposed to be a controlled environment. I feel the little wheel turning. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't help when that little wheel gets to going, though, but um, I'm going to try to back up a little bit. But he said in Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Oh, 
He said, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greeks. He said, for therein, verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, he said, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is a revelation of righteousness. It's a revelation that you've been justified by the blood. If you've been justified by blood, Romans 5, 9 tells us that you've been free from the wrath that is to come. That's good news. You're not under the wrath of God. Amen. You're under the blessing of God. I'm not under God's wrath. I'm under the blessing. Jesus took out. Jesus paid the price. God took out his wrath and anger and his indignation upon Jesus. For you and I. Jesus was your substitute. He stood in for you and I. And everything he accomplished is accredited to your account and my account in the economy of God. Now if you don't meditate on that, it'll fly right over your head. If you don't think about it long enough and hear it, it'll go right over your head. And you'll go right out of church tonight and you'll conform right back to what you've been thinking. These, these, this is a, a revolutionary thought that everything Jesus did is accredited to me through what we would call the law of substitution and identification. That Jesus came down here to be my substitute. God loved me so much he sent a substitute. You see, when John Wayne, uh, millennials, once again, they don't know John Wayne. But when John Wayne fell off the horse in the movie, that wasn't John. That was a stand-in. Then at the end of the movie, you're going to see the credits. And it's going to tell you Somebody stood in for John because we don't want John getting hurt. But in the movie, when you saw it, it looked as though it was John. Y'all, you know where I'm going. I, I can tell this side knows where I'm going right here. I got to pray for this side over here a little bit. When Jesus was on the cross... He was standing in for you and I, but somewhere in the process, Paul comes along with the revelation that everything Jesus did, it was accredited to you and I as though you were on the cross. Because he said in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. With Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is, there is no mistake about it. 
He loves you. It says it right there in the scripture. You say, well, I don't feel like he loves me. I haven't been good enough. His love is not based on your goodness, you being good. You could never be good enough. Amen. Because that's how natural love is measured. We're not talking about natural love. We're talking about a divine love. We're not talking about the love you get out there in the world. You know the love you get out in the world. You know they love you. They leave you. Then they come back for your money. How many know who I'm talking about? They tell you they love you. And everyone's looking for love in all the wrong places. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That's natural love. We're not talking about natural love here. We're talking about a divine love. An unconditional love. An unqualifying love. Praise God. What we mean unconditional, God, His love now, He loves you no matter how you've been. Now you, you say, well, are, are, you, are you saying we shouldn't be good? No, no. Uh, we're not even going to talk about how you should be right now. Because once you understand the empowerment of His love, you rise to a new level. Because when you hear the love of God or the expectation that is in His love, you will perform at a greater level. It's just like if we tell a child that they are doing good, and we're expecting them to win. And we're expecting them to play their best. They will do their best to try to achieve that level. When you understand God loves you when you're good. God loves you when you're bad. Because his love is unconditional. When you make a mistake, which you will. How many people realize you will? When you make a mistake, only a few people realize they're going to make a mistake. When you make a mistake, God does not stop loving you. Amen. But what happens when we haven't been taught about his love? The moment we make a mistake, we get condemned. We start feeling guilty. We start self-sabotaging we start punishing ourselves. We, we we don't want to go to church we don't want to get around God's people because we don't feel good you got to understand those are part of the soulless nature that's in the feelings that's in the soul we're talking about you're a spirit being you've been made in the image and likeness of God Adam was not the only one made in the image of God. When you're born again, when you're born again, you become that new creature, Amen. that new creation. Amen. When you're born again, praise God, the blessing comes on you. Now notice, we're going to finish this up. Galatians 3.13. Let's run back here to Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse. Praise God. Not only have you been redeemed from the curse, the curse is broken. You're not under the curse. The only way the curse can operate in your life from this night forward. Are you listening to me? 
The only way the curse can operate is through ignorance of the blessing. Amen. Your mouth, your mouth can speak against you. Your mouth, your tongue curses you. Or James says your tongue can bless you. He said sweet water can flow out of your mouth and bitter water. He said it ought not be though. Amen. He said when you speak the blessing, speaking the blessing over yourself, it releases the blessing. You acknowledge the blessing. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. How? Why? Notice in your Bible, by being made a curse for us. See, 2 Corinthians 5.21, just write this in your notes. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made him to be sin, who knew no sin. See, Jesus didn't know any sin. Jesus was not a sinner. He didn't know any sin. He took our sin. He became sin itself. He took our sin as that substitute. Him that knew no sin became sin. And the scripture said that we should be, the word might is not even in this original King Jimmy translation. That we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your position in God. Righteousness means right standing with God. Righteousness means that you are free from guilt and condemnation. Righteousness is the blessing of God upon you, in you. That's, that's your spirit man. That's who you are in the mind of God. It comes from the old word that we find throughout the scripture, justification. Justified. Everybody say justified. justified. Now they asked the African American preacher. He was preaching. He said, they said, what does justified mean? He said, well, hmm. And you know how they hoop. He said, well, hmm, yeah, hmm. He, he, he got tuned up a little bit. You see, when I first started off in Houston preaching, I started off in African-American churches. Everybody say, well, come on now. Amen, they got the, they have the gravy. You know, how many people know about all about the gravy? Okay. Mm, yeah, okay. But he said, justified. Now, break it down. Just if I'd never sinned. When you're justified, this is God's view of you. Just if you never sinned. Righteousness means you're justified. God's view of you. Not a sinner anymore. You said, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Correct. But once you're saved by grace, you're no longer that sinner anymore. You've been justified. God views you just if you never sinned. 
Now, if you'll have that consciousness in your mind, you say, but I do sin. Yes, when you do sin, what do you do? You get right back under the knowledge that you're justified by Romans 5, 9, by the blood, not by your action. You don't have to hold your head down for a week or two. You know how it is. You know, you know how condemnation comes immediately when we sin. You know how it makes us feel in fear. That's how the devil wants you to feel. See, the devil fears the man, the woman that finds out that they've been justified by the blood of Jesus. Because do you, that man... Or that woman will stand and exercise their authority that they have through redemption as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You'll exercise it. Now, you got to understand, this may be good preaching, but whatever I'm saying you got to begin to say over yourself. For this to go to the next level, you got to begin to say whatever I'm saying. This cannot be a sermon. you got to begin to say that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Amen. See, Philemon 6. Philemon 6. Don't even try to find Philemon in your Bible. It's back where the pages are stuck together. Don't even try to do it right now. You'll embarrass yourself. Don't do that. There's no shame in for the going to the table of contents. No shame in it whatsoever. No shame in my game. I mean, you know. But Philemon 6 now, it said that the communication of our faith becomes effectual. Our faith becomes effectual by acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ. Meaning that you have to acknowledge who you are and what you have in Christ. It begins by hearing it, but it can't remain a sermon. It's got to become your personal identification. You got to begin to say what I'm saying to you. You got to say, Christ has redeemed me. Everybody say, Christ has redeemed me. I mean, this is, this is a team sport here. Whatever I say, you got to begin to say, Christ has redeemed me. Come on now, that's what God's giving you that mouth for. Amen. It's just not a pie hole. I mean, you've got to begin to say something with your mouth. Everybody say, Christ has redeemed me. See, the devil fears the person that begins to acknowledge who they are in Christ. Jesus did not go around talking bad about himself. He didn't go around trying to get people's attention. You know, I'm not having a good day. I don't know if God loves me anymore. I probably have lost my salvation. I don't know that I'm even his son anymore. I don't even know if I, I'm sure if I go to the church, the roof's going to fall in. So you've been hanging out with the wrong people. This, the, the, the roof's not going to fall in. It's been proven. So Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law being made a curse for me for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Going back to Galatians 3.13. Verse 14 says that the blessing, the blessing, not blessings, the blessing, singular, not plural, 
When we're talking about the blessing, we're not talking about shoes. We're not talking about an automobile. We're not talking about houses. We're talking about an empowerment that comes on you. The most powerful covenant that we see established through the word of God is called the Abrahamic covenant. Everybody say that term, Abrahamic covenant. Abrahamic. Amen. The Abrahamic covenant, God made a covenant with Abraham and that covenant made him the most powerful person on the planet. When he walked in agreement, all he had to do is walk in agreement with that covenant. Somebody's going to get this tonight because this will bring you out of where you're at. And this covenant made him the most powerful person. Now, how did we get in on this covenant? Through Jesus Christ. When Jesus was on this earth, he walked in harmony with this Abrahamic covenant. Amen. There's different covenants throughout the word. You got the Adamic covenant. Adam's covenant. You got the Noah's covenant. Noah covenant. Then you got the Abrahamic covenant. And then you got the big Mo covenant. Moses' covenant. The law. You know what I'm talking about? But when Jesus was on this earth, because he was the seed of David, born born of a virgin, born sinless. He operated not in Adam's covenant. Whatever Adam did did not affect him. This Abrahamic covenant gave him the ability to overcome the power of the fall. My, my, my. Now the Bible tells us right here that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. Now let me define the Gentiles. There were only two groups of people. There were the Jews, which were the chosen people that were living under the Mosaic Covenant. And there's the Gentiles, which the Jews called the Gentiles infidels and heathens. Now, if you're not Jewish, which you're not, there's not any Jewish people here. That puts you in the category of the Gentiles. When Jesus died now, his death connected you to the Abrahamic covenant that this blessing would come on the Gentiles. Everybody on the outside. That's you and I. And we got this in Christ that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham comes on us through the death of Christ. This covenant that God made with Abraham. The most powerful, you know, covenant. And God, you know, made covenant with Abraham himself. And God made covenant with Jesus Christ, sending his son down here to shed his own blood. Moses' covenant was established on the blood of animals. But this new covenant is established on the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. What the blood of an animal could not do, the blood of Jesus did. The animal blood could not remove the effects of sin. 
You still had the consciousness of sin. But the blood of Jesus, oh, come on now, it cleanses you from all unrighteousness. This blood. Because it's a blood covenant. It's It's an agreement. This agreement now is not between you and God. This agreement was between the Father and the Son, and you and I become the beneficiaries of this covenant. When you read, when you read, when you read the last will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to find out that you're in the will. Now let me run off a little bit just on a second right here. My cousin sitting over here, first cousin right there, Bobby Ray. His, his dad passed away, but um, about a, a year and a half ago, two years ago, his, his dad was KT, uh, my uncle. But about five years ago, I was over there at Magnolia, and we were going to go get some Chickadilly chicken. Y'all all know about Chickadilly chicken. I'm finally in the place where people know about Chickadilly chicken. So anyway, we pulled up in my vehicle to get some chicken. Because that's what we do when the family gathers, we eat chicken. And so when we pulled up, we had this big family order. KT, he leans over to me and he says, hey, I just want you to know that you're in my will. There's never been a sad person that ever heard those words. You may be having a sad day, but when you hear, you're in my will, you go, praise Jesus. So I I immediately pull out my money because I'm going to pay for this chicken. I'm not going to let a man pay for the chicken. They just told me I'm in his will. I'm going to be very generous, so I'm going to pay for this chicken. He don't say another word. We pull out. We go back around. We start heading home. And I said, who's the smartest man in this truck? I said, it's KT. He just got me to pay for the chicken. Just by telling me I'm in his will. When you understand that you're in the will... Pentecostals are the worst about telling people they're out of the will of God that's part of their terminology things aren't going good you're out of the will of God had a bad week you're out of the will of God like we in like you know like you in the will of God you know what I'm saying the only person in the will of God is the preacher because he's telling everybody else they out of the will of God But have you ever thought about when Jesus paid the price, he paid the price in full, and he says now, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is about the last will and testament that you're in the will. Now I called you here on a Sunday night and our time's almost up to let you know one thing, you're in the will. I didn't call you here for any other purpose. I called you here to let you know that there's a will found. We found a will. And you've been named in the will. You're in the will. 
And when you exercise your rights, the enemy cannot stop it. He will try to probate your will. He will try to interrupt. But when you understand this blood places you in the will, the enemy can't stop it. He doesn't have the power. You need to go around and say, man, I'm in the will. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm in the will. I, I, I've been born now in this will when I got here. You know, I discovered I'm in the will. I thought I was born with a plastic spoon in my mouth, a spork. But actually, when you look at who you are, you've been born with a silver spoon in your mouth because you're in the will. You can't have a bad day, sister, when you understand you're in the will. I mean, because there's provision in this will to combat the number one area where you're attacked. That's your mind. It's called the peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because you trust in thee, praise God. I'll give you a peace that the world cannot give you. I'm talking about a supernatural peace that allow you to walk right through the storms of life. When you get beyond peace, you're going to find out there's joy. Hallelujah. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Joy is medicine. You got to stir joy up. I mean, it's been proven by science. People that laugh are healthy. It said a merry heart doeth good like a what? But a broken spirit, what does it do? Dries up the bones. Meaning if you got a merry heart, it will lubricate your bones. Amen. Come on now. Now y'all see Mama Gwen over there. She's 95. She drove herself here. 95. Look at her. She drives me around town. She says, am I scaring you? I said, not yet. How many wants to be 95 and still driving? Amen. Praise God. I'm talking if you continue to understand you're in the will, you're going to understand there's provisions. And Paul spoke about the mind that is the battleground. And he said, and you can win that battle right there. He said, the battleground is the mind. The enemy will try to get into your thoughts to control your life, to derail you, to get you outside of this covenant, to get you to think that God is mad. One of Satan's number one schemes, and Paul called him a schemer, is to get you to think that God is mad at you. Now, you know Jesus never called God God, don't you? I got you now, man. I got you. I got you right where I want you. Yeah. He never called him God. He called him God one time when he was on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? All the people in the old covenant knew him as God and Jehovah. He didn't come to introduce God unto you. Come on now. I'm about to break out of here tonight, praise God. He came to introduce to you a father. Yes, 
a perfect father, a loving father. He never introduced God. He said, let me show you my father, my father, which art in heaven. Amen. He always addressed him as father. And he knew he was a son. And you're a son and you're a daughter, praise God. A father's love for you is unconditional. The father that you never knew. I'm talking about a father that loves you, believes in you, validates you, gives you affirmations, affirms who you are. And the perfect example of this is found in the prodigal son. Everybody knows that story. Where this son left and he went out in riotous living, wasted everything that he had. He ended up, you know, in the pig pens, which is a disgrace for, you know, people. And he said to himself, I'm going to go back to my father's house. Amen. And I'm going to make myself as one of the hired servants. Because even the servants have it better than I do. Because this is what Christianity has been taught. You need to be a servant. But no, you need to be a son that serves from your heart. Amen. And so he rose up and he started his journey back to the father. And this is the heart of God. And the father was sitting on the porch. I can just picture him in the rocking chair. He was looking. And he saw this little being, a shadow in the distance coming toward him. And he said, that looks like my son. That looks like my son. Amen. I'm going to whip him. He spent his inheritance. He wasted it. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to put him under the punishment. I'm going to put him under my judgment. He said, that is my son. He said to the servants, that's my son coming. Look at him. He's all dirty. Barefoot. No robe, no ring, no signa ring. He said, get him a robe. Get him a ring. Get him, put sandals back on his shoes. He said these words, for this is my son. That was dead, that's now alive. He called him a son. He restored him back. That's his love towards you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's restoration love. That's the love. That's the love that you may not have experienced that we want you to experience tonight. I want you to be embraced by this love. It will complete you. You cannot live a completed life. On this earth without this love. Don't get religion and this love mixed up. The word religion comes from the Latin word religio going back to bondage. Yeah, going back to bondage. 
But this love right here now, praise God, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. John said, this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us. Most of the time we think if we don't love God, he's going to be mad. The father's, the father's got it. He's not weak. He's not frail. He understands his role is to love you right into transformation. Hallelujah. Where the world will try to whip you, but this is the gospel. I'm about to get you mad. That loves the hell out of you instead of beats the hell out of you. I can't believe he said it. Well, I already said it. I already said it. It's too late now. I mean, you can edit it. But this is the gospel that loves the hell out of you. Where other people try to beat the hell out of you. Like my friend, he was a pastor's son. And he got arrested about 17. He went down to the beach and he got arrested. You know, preacher's sons are not perfect. Preacher's kids aren't perfect. Preachers learn, preacher's kids learn what they learn from deacon's kids. All right. Hallelujah. So he got arrested, got put in jail down in Galveston. And so he called his mama. He said, Mom, I'm down here in jail. She said, well, it's church night. It's Wednesday night. It's church night. Just prop your, seat, prop your feet up and just have a seat. Because we're going to church tonight. After church, the pastor and two deacons went down to Galveston. Bailed him out. On the way down in the elevator, one of them just glared at him. Said, you know, like... We're ashamed of you. One of the deacons just glared at him. We're ashamed of you. The other one put his hand on him and said, I believe everything is going to be all right. Amen. So when he got home, he said his daddy tried to rehabilitate him. Rehabilitate the hell out of him. Sent him to counseling, tried to counsel the hell out of him. Put him in Sunday school, tried to teach the hell out of him. But finally he turned to Jesus. Hallelujah, come on now. And Jesus loved the hell out of him. When you walk in the power of his love, his love for you, good things begin to happen to you, especially when you begin to acknowledge his love for you. Good things, get this last point, good things happen to those that acknowledge God's, the Father's love for them. This is the truth of the prodigal son. You know that the father had two sons, don't you? The other son, he was a churchy boy. Yeah, he was, he was real churchy. He was out in the field working and he said, what's that music that I hear, that noise? He said, oh, your younger brother came home and they're throwing a party for him and they're dancing. Can you believe it? Dancing, they're dancing. 
Man, you can't find that in among Pentecostals. I mean, they out there dancing. He said, they're out there dancing. They're having a big barbecue, a roast. They're celebrating. He said, churchy boy. He said, the father never did me anything like that. He said, he never killed a fatted calf for me. He never brought out another robe for me. Father, I have churchy boy, churchy people tried to plead their case. I've been with you. I've been doing this a long time. I've been teaching the kids a long time in this church. You don't get it that way. You can't qualify yourself. I have never missed. I've been, I've been in church a long time, he said. And then he came to the father and he said, Father, your son has spent all of his money with harlots. It never says a word about harlots until the churchy boy shows up. Churchy people got harlots on their mind. Not, not, nobody else has mentioned harlots. Ain't nobody mentioned harlots yet till churchy people come up. You got to watch them churchy people now. They'll cut you in the name of God. How many know what I'm talking about? They'll take you out in the parking lot and cuss you out in the name of Jesus. Bless you out right there in the parking lot. Call you up in a minute and say, forgive me. You know what the father said to him? He said, you never give me anything. Now get this key. What he told him. All that I have is thine. All that I have is already yours. Amen. All that I have is already yours. That's the past tense of what Christ hath done. He completed everything for you. Your role is just to have faith in this blessing faith in this blessing amen praise the lord praise the lord amen amen hallelujah and praise the lord this is the time of the service where we get to sow into the ministry i found mine Whew. i was looking for this uh so everybody the colored envelopes that are there in your chair this is our if the ushers will come on forward this is our opportunity to sow How many of you believe this is good ground? You know, what God has been showing me is how honor opens doors. Mm -hmm. When we honor people, it opens doors for mm -hmm. them to work in our life. Mm -hmm. So tonight, let's honor. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. Father, to sow into good ground. Father, that not only, God, we uh, see a harvest reaped in this ministry, Father, but a harvest in our own life. Father, that you want to connect with us and make covenant with us through our giving. Lord, we just uh, give this as unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, after the offering, I'm going to pray a blessing and prayer on you and speak a blessing over you. Because that's what the Father does. All right. All right. 
The Bible said we have fathers of our flesh that correct us, but we have spiritual fathers. And one way the, the spiritual blessing is passed on is called the spoken blessing. We speak it over you. Amen. Now you've got a little bit of knowledge of the blessing. Get that book and you'll gain more knowledge about the blessing. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Praise God. Let me pray this prayer over you. Father, we pray right now. I speak this blessing. Go ahead and put your hands out like you're receiving it. I speak this blessing over this congregation tonight in El Dorado, Arkansas. I release this blessing on every person. Every curse in the name of Jesus is broken off of you. Every generational curse, which people call generational curses, is broken. We release a generational blessing in Jesus' name. We speak the blessing over you. All fear, all torment, all bitterness, all unforgiveness. Everything that robs you of your peace. We break it off of you in the name of Jesus. We declare the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Jesus upon you in the name of Jesus. We release it. We speak it over you. We speak the health blessing over you right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet that health and healing flow into your body right now in Jesus' name. We speak the blessing over our children right now in the name of Jesus. No matter what they're doing, we speak a blessing over our children. I want you to name your children right now. And we speak a blessing over our children. Name your children and speak a blessing. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I bless my seed. Because the blessing is greater than mistakes. It'll bring them out of mistakes. I, sp I speak a sound mind over you in the name of Jesus. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. A well-disciplined mind. I speak a sound mind. Job said it this way, there is a spirit in man. The Amplified Bible said there's a spirit of intelligence in man. I speak intelligence over you and over these young people right now that they will they will operate at a higher level than ever before because of the blessing upon them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak the provisional blessings over you in Jesus' name that you'll see provisions like never before flowing to you freely in Jesus' name because it belongs to you as an heir of Abraham in Jesus' name. I speak that provisional blessing over you. I speak that you're blessed spiritually, you're blessed naturally, you're blessed socially, 
and you're blessed with authority here on this earth to exercise the dominion that is given unto you in Jesus name because you're in the will of God you're in the last will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ and this will has been ratified by the blood now I want you to say by the blood of Jesus I'm blessed I'm blessed by blood I'm blood blessed the blood of Jesus has redeemed me from all curses so I command all fear to leave my life I command all anxiety to leave my life in Jesus name I thank you for the blood because I've been redeemed by the blood in Jesus name Amen. Now, a lot of battles have been won by people that just speak the blood. Peter said, we have not been redeemed by silver and gold, nor the vain conversations of our forefathers, but we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So all you got to do is sling a lot of blood and speak a lot of blood and plead the blood. Declare the blood. Anytime you have a tormenting thought, begin to speak the blood. Amen. Just speak the blood of Jesus. Hold on to the blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus will bring you through. Amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Praise God. Amen. We free. We, we, we ready to go. You want to dismiss? Praise God. Whatever you want to do.